0: Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well-connected from Riverside Healthcare. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. Welcome. My name is Sean O'Connor, and I'm a marketing communications representative here at Riverside, and I'm joined today by Dr. Michael Ruphausen. He is a surgeon with Riverside Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Thank you very much for coming today. Thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it.
1: Excellent. Uh, Tell us about your background and kind of what brought you to Riverside. Sure. So I uh, grew up just outside of the St. Louis area, about 30 miles on the Illinois side of the river. Uh, Lifelong Cardinals fan, Blues fan, everything St. Louis. I actually uh, went to undergraduate at Washington University in St. Louis. But since that time, I've spent uh, the entirety of the rest of my uh, training, as it were, in Illinois. I went to Southern Illinois University. Uh, School of Medicine, so first year in Carbondale, and then the next three years in Springfield. And then subsequent to that, I matched into my plastics and reconstructive surgery residency with uh, the Institute for Plastic Surgery at uh, Southern Illinois University. Because of that, I've spent the last nine years of my life prior to moving here uh, in Springfield. As it turns out, my uh, to-be wife and current wife uh, was a burn nurse actually at the hospital that I was training at, and she had family ties back to the area. Her mother grew up in Mantino; their entire family's from here. So, in the process of looking at a job and the type of community that I wanted to work in, it actually came up that you know Riverside would be a really good option. And when we really started looking at it, uh, I, I liked what I saw, and uh, I put a call out. Um, her uncle actually is a family physician in the community, and he, he spoke with the CEO Phil Cambick and. Uh, said, hey, you know, I think I got a, a guy who's going to really fit in here. And uh, next thing I know, I got a call from our recruiter, and the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Excellent. So plastic and reconstructive surgery is kind of an interesting and very highly disciplined field. Um, what what attracted you to
1: it? You know, it's actually Kind of a funny story. Uh, I always thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon for the longest time. Uh, And and if you ask my parents, they'll tell you, I started talking about it when I was like nine or 10 years old, which is kind of a crazy thing. But I I maintained all along that I wanted to do surgery. And as I got into medical school, I was still very interested until I rotated on neurosurgery and realized that I did not want to do that for a living. It it was actually the the really delicate work um, that I thought was part of that field that interested me. And just before my neurosurgery rotation, I. actually rotated with plastic surgery. And I just kept having this feeling of, man, this is, yeah, I belong here. I really enjoy these types of procedures. One of the things that um, really struck me as a medical student, um, it's, it's a fascinating thing, is the uh, microsurgery portion of plastic surgery. It's where you're taking um, pieces of tissue from other parts of the body, disconnecting the blood vessels, the nerves, and then hooking them back up in other parts parts of the body in order to cover things up. Well, the work under the microscope, the fine work associated with it, and then also the aesthetics uh, associated with all that were really appealing to me. It was like a puzzle and it just kind of made sense. So. As things went along, I, I struggled with my decision a little bit and then just was honest with myself and said, you know, this is actually kind of your calling. So rotated and got along with the, the folks at SIU and ended up staying there for my training.
0: So just as kind of a general awareness for people, when we say plastic surgery, I think a lot of people think of plastic like we think of, like, you know, a plastic cup or, or plastic Tupperware. But plastic really pertains more to the malleableness of of things, correct?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, it's a Latin root phrase, plasticos, which means to mold, literally. And so, you know, that's probably the number one question that I get asked is, you know, where does the term plastic surgery come from? And really, it's an all-encompassing field of plastic and reconstructive surgery that does include cosmetics and Uh, more elective procedures, but I I do really surgery from head to toe Um, from pressure disorder treatments to flap coverage, skin grafts, um, large trauma cases, facial reconstruction, head and neck cancer reconstructions. And then, as I mentioned, the cosmetic side of things, breast augmentations, tummy tucks, that sort of thing. Um, One of the things that's really great about the field and why I love it so much is it's twofold. One, I get to work with a lot of my colleagues. I'm, you know, the person that they call when they say, hey, I've got this big wound that I'm gonna need covered up and I need a hand doing it. I, I feel, you know, honored and privileged to be able to have the knowledge to do that, but also just to be able to work with my colleagues and help solve problems that are inherently pretty difficult. And then uh, the other part about uh, plastic surgery that I really enjoy is I work from head to toe. I mean, every day is completely different. Um, Even my clinics, I may have a patient come in who has concerns about a complication from a previous cosmetic surgery. The next patient may have, you know, a burn. The next patient after that may have a wound on their leg that needs either debrided or flapped or grafted. Yeah,
0: and so I think there's a a vast amount of knowledge you have to be aware of at all times which i think is very important and very intriguing and so i think that's what it takes to be a good plastic surgeon is just the ability to know head to toe literally how everything functions it's not a specialty
1: yeah i you know sort of jokingly tell people all the time you know there's a reason it's a six-year residency you know it takes a long time to master such a large area and you really become um a master of anatomy from head to toe because i i have to know where the blood vessels are where the perforators are you know how to move tissue safely so that um, you know i can cover things and not have a significant deficit when i borrow that extra tissue
0: Excellent. So uh, Riverside has a new cosmetic surgery center opening. Um, What does that entail and plan to offer?
1: Yeah, we're very excited about this. This is an opportunity to um, offer services that I I think have been a little bit lacking in the community previously. The basics with any cosmetic surgery center are going to involve things that are non-surgical in nature, such as injectables. So Botox and filler come up. For those who don't know, Botox is a neuromodulator. It's essentially... Uh, an injection that you give to help stop movement of muscles. This is actually used in many reconstructive capacities. When uh, patients have stroke or excess muscle movement as a result of imbalances in their face, we use Botox. But we also use it significantly for cosmetic purposes, which honestly is how people mostly know it. Um, this can be used mostly in the upper face to stop making lines and wrinkles and things like that. And then the complement to that is uh, fillers, uh, typically a hyaluronic acid filler, but other biocompatible substances that are injected and they're used to help rejuvenate the face, restore volume, which is a natural process over time. The face loses volume, you have descent of the natural structures, and the important thing to um, have an age-appropriate face is to restore that volume, and then with the Botox and combination with that, prevent future formation of lines, wrinkles, etc.
0: So with any type of injectable, it doesn't last forever. It slowly dissipates, and it's perfectly safe to just kind of dissipate back into the body, correct?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the effects are temporary with anything. It varies from person to person. There are some folks who are higher metabolizers of the uh, onabotulinum toxin, which is the Botox. Um, Some folks are much more slow to regain the function. um, But in general, I I tell people to expect about three months of duration. Typically your duration of uh, effect is a little bit shorter when you first start. And then over time as the muscles weaken, the effect of the neuromuscular junction where that medicine actually works strengthens over time because the muscle and the synapse aren't as strong. And as a result, I have patients who sometimes only need, you know, re-ups every nine to 12 months with Botox, whereas when they were starting, they were needing it every two to three months. Um, same thing for filler. Filler is metabolized by the body. It's absorbed hyaluronic acid is something that exists within the ground substance in the skin, but it helps hold moisture, which is how it you know pulls in volume and uh, gives you that lift. It also goes away over time. And in areas of high muscular movement, it will be metabolized and resorbed quicker. The most common example that I have for this is lip augmentation. It's Obviously, there are several muscles in that area, it's resorbed a little bit faster, but in general, the substances we use last about 9 to 12 months. So sometimes folks have to come back a little sooner to get a, a touch-up for an event, um, but most of the time, I'm not reinjecting people for at least 9 to 12 months.
0: Interesting. What are some common procedures that you normally see or perform?
1: Sure. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, treatment with Botox typically is for forehead lines, the glabella or the so-called 11 lines are very common. It's that sort of scowl look that you see with folks. And you're still able to animate, which is an important uh, point to make. You know, you will still have expression. You won't look as if you have a blank face.
0: That was going to be my next question. Yeah, was, I'm sure everybody has seen the kind of the surgery has gone wrong, but this is definitely not the case when done professionally and very well. So
1: Correct. You know, and that all goes back to that, you know, explicit knowledge of anatomy. It's important to be able to assess a face and, you know, the facial analysis is the first and most important part of any of this. Someone who has a short forehead and n- inherently low brows is not going to benefit. They're actually going to have detrimental effect. If you're injecting in the frontalis muscle, that's the forehead muscle. And if you drop that, they won't be able to compensate. If I'm looking at you at rest and you're already using your forehead to keep your your eyes open you're not going to be very happy if you all of a sudden can't do that so yeah. um and then other things that i do so crow's feet um, or the lateral laugh lines that we see frequently we can also inject around the mouth for fine lines and wrinkles uh, as well as the bunny lines or the squinty lines that happen on the side of those are common indications uh, for uh, botox when it comes to filler there are a number of um, areas that can be addressed um the volume in the cheeks uh, is a common restorative area, as I mentioned, lip augmentation with filler, and then also restoration of volume in the nasolabial folds, those creases that you get between your cheeks and your upper lip. Oh, okay, interesting. And it's not just uh, women that you see, you see men as well, correct? Absolutely. And honestly, um, as it's become more socially acceptable and uh, popular, you know, I, I probably don't see an equal number, but I certainly see a significantly larger number of men than I did historically, especially in training. The majority of patients who uh, would come to our office were women, but towards the end of training, uh, there were actually a lot more men who were coming in seeking not only um, uh, surgical procedures, but the injectables, the Botox and filler as well.
0: What do we find that a lot of patients gain from having a cosmetic procedure done?
1: I I think probably the biggest thing is uh, when someone comes to me, they usually have a pretty specific complaint. It's something that bothers them. Um, it's important to talk to them about expectations, what they see, and you know, to what degree it bothers them. Does it affect life? You know. But it's usually not something that's subtle. It's something that they say, this has been bothering me, I've been contemplating this for a very long time. And, you know, a correction of that is, you know, newfound confidence for that patient. They feel better about themselves. A lot of times this translates to other parts of their life, their job. Um, They feel confident, they have an air about them that really radiates from that.
0: So what are sort of some of the benefits of going through a hospital system for a cosmetic surgery?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent point. So uh, a lot of the cosmetic uh, uh, setups that you'll see globally tend to be outside of a a hospital system. Um, The nice part about uh, working through an employed physician or a a hospital-based system is that um, price control is of the utmost importance. It's, you know, you're going to get a quality service. You have all of the resources available to the hospital system, and it's done at a cost that is uh, reasonable and not inflated It's not simply about the bottom line for a practice, but it's about globally taking pay taking care of patients in the community, making sure that we have these services available, but doing so in a reasonable fashion that's accessible. Um, The other thing that's nice is I have lots of other physicians that I can call on if I need assistance with anything. It's, you know, very common for me to have family members who come in and they say, oh, what about this? You know, I have a whole network of physicians that I can reach out to. So uh, it's not infrequent that I have someone who comes in for, you know, injectables, but they say, oh, hey, by the way, my mother has a hernia. Do you know anyone? And Sure, absolutely. I can get you plugged in with someone that I know. He's actually right in my same office.
0: (laughs) Very good. So cosmetic surgery is... Is that just in the injectables and uh, in the face or does it cover other areas of the body as well?
1: Yeah, great question. Again, it's certainly all over the body, just like it is for reconstructive procedures. The injectables tend to focus on the face, although there are, are other areas that can potentially benefit, lines on the neck, wrinkles, etc. cetera. Um, but really the biggest portion of cosmetics is actually cosmetic surgery. And, you know, there is a huge complement that goes along with that. I alluded to some earlier. Breast augmentation is a very popular um, cosmetic procedure, abdominal plasty or so called tummy tuck. Um, breast lift is a common thing, and the combination has sort of, you know, colloquially been referred to as the mommy makeover. So, combining either an arm or thigh lift along with breast lift and abdominal plasty and sort of combining these procedures um, to help rectify some of the changes that happen along with. Uh, pregnancy when people are done having kids a lot of times they'll go to the gym they'll work out and they'll have these residual areas that are just stumbered won't go away and a lot of that is physiology it's simply you know the extra skin that's created with stretching the stomach the laxity of the abdominal wall those won't go away no matter how hard you're working and that's where cosmetic surgery comes in and actually can benefit you significantly
0: I think everybody who's really worked out hard in the gym and kind of hit that plateau knows like there's at a certain point, there's just a, not that last piece that you can get the puzzle to completely fit together and you either have to just kind of come to terms with it or go to that next step to to really get to where your goal is. And I think that's important is that people realize that if they kinda of get stuck, you're definitely available to help them reach their goals and, and kinda of gain that confidence that's available for them.
1: Absolutely. It's important for people to know and understand, you know, this is simply something that you can't always address at the level of the gym and it is a you know physiologically, medically necessary thing to get that final result that they're looking for. I see it in men very frequently who work out all the time and they still have some thickness uh, to the chest and you know, surgery for gynecomastia to help remove the excess glandular and fatty tissue from the chest to give a more defined looking chest wall is a very common procedure we do.
0: What are some of the benefits of someone
1: with specialty training performing these procedures? it's an incredibly important question um, as I mentioned knowledge of anatomy is something that's drilled into us in training uh, it's six long years of you know surgical training but in addition to that the knowledge that comes along with it the physiology the understanding of the anatomy and uh, it's just simply put not something you can pick up in a weekend course you know to inject Botox or inject fillers is something that yes it's nuanced yes you get better over time it's the treating the complications which are always a risk of any procedure that having that essential training is incredibly important because if you have someone who unfortunately doesn't have that extensive experience with anatomy and training maybe they don't have as um, robust a knowledge when it comes to what complications can you have and if you do have a complication how to treat that and um, while you know complications are rare few and far between the more severe ones can be you know quite life-altering
0: yeah it's it's far better to be safe than sorry and I, I think it's very detrimental to be in a hospital setting versus uh, being somewhere else where if something were to go wrong you're definitely in a, a, a space that can assist you very quickly so.
1: Part of the importance of having someone who has been through specialty training in either dermatology or plastic surgery or facial plastics that um, these areas um, are well known. They know how to deal with the complications but they also know the anatomy and know how to safely inject and treat these areas to begin with.
0: Well fantastic. Well Dr. Rubhausen thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming in today.
1: Thanks Sean. I appreciate you having me.
0: No problem.